Well, it is Southern California Live. It's David James, Big Wave Dave here, 99.5 KKLA, San Diego's K-Praise. Absolutely gorgeous Wednesday afternoon. It's nice to see a little drizzle the last couple of days. Sunshine is is back out and yearning to talk with you here on this Wednesday, January 19th at 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. We study God's word every day so that we can stay on that on that narrow road, you know, stay straight and saying, God, I'm not gonna bend to the ills of this place. Now we're broken people, so we're you know, God understands that. He offers his grace and mercy. We're all equal at his the foot of his cross. And so we try to, as we study God's Word, to re- represent, to learn how to represent Him well, starting in our own life, in our family's life, so that when we share uh, in, in word or in deed, without, you know, St. Francis once said, preach the gospel always, if need be, use words, that we're the same person inside the house as we are outside the house sharing the gospel, Right. And we're not perfect, not going to be. Our spouse is going to know that. You could ask Claire any day plus five times on Sunday. She would tell you that I am not, my children, not perfect. But standing up for God and saying, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And then we do that outside the walls. And the world is not necessarily going to be keen to us doing that. You know, every one of the pastors we have here on the radio Every single day speaks of that very thing, where it's not going to be heard from people who think that they've got all the answers when they don't. The creator of the universe does. And so there may be some blowback. And sometimes we consider that persecution. You know, maybe you'll post something. I know I have posted something of standing up for God or citing an article thinking, man, this is, this is a good article to read about uh, uh, apologetics, for example, why the Bible is the Word of God or something. And then you get, you know, sometimes even fellow Christians, quote-unquote, who go, how dare you post that thing? And oh, man, that's not persecution. That's, okay, I need to uh, go ahead and just say, mm, I need to have a little bit of a spirited debate. Persecution is happening around the world we read about it, I mean, even today in China, you know, we've got uh, just, we, we read about it with ISIS and persecution happening around the world to our fellow brothers and sisters. And I wanted to address that a little bit because sometimes it's so easy to get caught up in everything. Oh man, my DoorDash was late. <laughs> you know, oh, traffic is just, and we forget sometimes the deeper thing, and I'm speaking of myself, going, we need to remember that we have brothers and sisters who are truly being persecuted for their faith, their life on the line. There are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's and Daniel's, the contemporaries of them around the world. So I want to invite just an incredible soul to join us. I love International Christian Response. We have partnered here at KKLA and Cape Praise with International Christian Response quite a bit over the years. This Christian World Relief Organization that specifically says Jesus followers around the world being persecuted, thrown out of their homes, losing loved ones, losing limbs. You're not alone. We're with you on this. And I wanted to invite Karen Ellis, uh, incredible advocate for Jesus followers around the world who are in that place right now, to remind us that we are one church, not just a 
not a persecuted church versus a Western church, but a one church. And I, I just wanted to welcome Karen to kind of illuminate this and give us an opportunity to pray for, pray for our brothers and sisters around the globe. So, Karen, welcome. Thank you for joining us. You're an author and Ph.D. candidate at Oxford Center for Mission Studies. Is that right? That is true. And Dave, 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 thank you so much for having me and ICRUSA on today. And, you know, you're not just hosting me, and you're not just hosting ICR. You're hosting 360 million people around the world who are experiencing uh, hostility for their faith in Christ. So excuse me if it gets a little crowded in here. (laughs) Well, that's a lot of people. Thank you. Yeah, well. It, It is. 360, how many? 360,000? 360 million, according to uh, the World Watch list. And that's, uh, how does that break down? That's like 80% of Christians in the world are actually experiencing some sort of anti-Christian hostility. Um, That makes us, in the freer world, the 20%, right? So we are actually the minority, around the world globally. Something to think about. Yeah, no, it is. 360 million. I, I just want to throw that once again, make sure that that does not fall on deaf ears, certainly not mine. 360 million being persecuted uh, because they will not give up and relinquish the name of Jesus. Talk a little bit about that mm-hmm. and World Watch and, and, and the reality for our fellow brothers and sisters around the world. Yeah, you know, there are uh, some quick... Uh, phrases that you hear when you work with these populations, like um, uh, fear over uh, faith over fear, uh, death before disobedience, um, uh, anxiety to adventure, those phrases take on new meaning when death is standing at the door, when uh, when uh, compromise is easy and the preferable road. But these folks are choosing to continue to follow Christ in the midst of all that. And one thing that uh, I think when we talk about the persecuted church that doesn't get highlighted is the joy and the thriving with, that they find in the midst that, uh, of living what actually is normal New Testament Christian life. That's not to say that, you know, it's a preferable position, but it's definitely something that, um, you know, we in the freer world are not familiar with. And so it's, it's an honor for me to sit at their feet, listen to their stories, and listen to their songs, their, their, their heart songs of um, how I got over, you know, how God brought me through, what God did through this thing that the world thinks is the most horrible thing in the world, and yet, but God, right? You guys say you study the Bible every day. Those, those two words, but God, the hope and the joy and the freedom and the peace of Christ hinges on those two words, but God, between what is happening in the now, that the nasty now and now, that is so horrible and so unimaginable, and yet how God is redeeming it and using these lives, these precious lives and these precious saints, to in these horrible situations to advance his kingdom, and they're serving in faithful obedience. So what I want to talk with you today, Dave, uh, talk about with you is how we can encourage them in the work that they're doing, how we can help them keep their hands on the plow and uh, let them know that they're not alone, but also let them know we want to learn from them. Right. We want to hear their voices. Right, right. We want to we actually 
uh, be able to be so strong in our faith that we're not going to relinquish those things as they're as they're doing the but God. So talk a little bit about that. Uh, educate mm-hmm. us on some real world examples of of souls that are not relinquishing Jesus's name and that we can say, you know what, God, I not only going to lift them in prayer, but I want to be so passionate for you that nothing can keep me away from you. Brother, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story about two young fellas. Uh, they're twins uh, living in the Horn of Africa that um, ICR, International Christian Response, has been encouraging and working alongside. Now, these twins, they're kids, and they were raised by a mom who was uh, an evangelical Christian, which is unusual in their region, and their mom instilled in them faith, duty, obedience, peace, freedom, life, joy, love of Christ. All the redemptive benefits of being in union with him. She still instilled in them so hard that when war broke out in their region, uh, the kids she sent the kids away to to protect them. So they ended up with their um, with uh, another family, another part of the family who was not Christian, and uh, then it became the situation became untenable there. Now these are twin kids, okay? They were turned out on the street by their immediate family and ended up with distant relatives who uh, they were fine at first. They welcomed them. They were praising. The kids were praising Jesus. The twin boys were saying, oh, my gosh, we have a place to stay. We have a place that's warm. We have a place to lay our heads. It's safe. We know that people are going to come and get us here. Well, the uh, family members that they ended up with said, hey, you're going you're gonna to celebrate Ramadan with us, right? You're going to practice. You're going to fast and everything. And they entered into the, the scriptural reality that we see told in the story you just told, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're like, wow, are we supposed to bow down to this idol? Or do we proclaim our faith in Christ? And so they did. And they found themselves out on the streets again for living for Christ and choosing him over practicing the rituals of the false gods. And so uh, these are some of the folks, a lot of folks end up when they are uh, confronted with um, untenable home situations, they end up on the streets. One of the things that ICR partners are doing in regions like that is they're helping folks find homes. They're helping folks find uh, the family of Christ so that they can have home, family, relationship, support, discipleship, opportunities to grow. That's another thing that I think is really a beautiful part of the work that I'm involved with at ICR is their focus on the local church and the focus on local opportunities and local partners to carry out the work of God's hands. Um, uh, You won't hear much talk about the West um, among our ICR partners because we want the local church to get the glory. They're the folks that are, well, we want Christ to get the glory, but we want the local church to get the credit because they're the ones that are on the ground. They're going to be, um, the reputation of Christ is going to spread through them, not through anyone else. Right. And so that's uh, one of the things I definitely appreciate about International Christian Response. So with those twins, is, does that story continue with where, what happened in their life and being on the streets and not saying, the you know what, we're not going to bow? In, right. The story continues in that they got settled into a home. As far as we know, they're settled into a home, and they're able to uh, receive discipleship, and they're safe. 
they're safe today. Now, how easy would it happen like that? No, I, don't know, I was going to ask how easy would it have been for them just to say, "Ah, okay, we'll we'll, we'll cave in," but they they didn't. Sure, they didn't. And when it when it comes down to brass tacks and the nasty now and now, it's it's you know it's hard to judge people because of the decisions that they make. When it comes down to you're cold, you're hungry. All of these things are are definitely primal urges that, you know, it takes, it really takes a filling of the Holy Spirit to say, I'm going to choose Christ. I'm going to choose Christ over my hunger. I'm going to choose Christ over this broken relationship. It really is New Testament living with New Testament priorities. You know, we can't, uh, it's hard to wrap our, our, our minds around, you know, as I hear you tell the, the, about the twin boys there at the Horn of Africa. We're speaking with Karen Ellis, by the way, with International Christian Response. It's Dave here on Southern California Live on San Diego's Cape Praise and 99.5 KKLA. And we're talking about how, you know, being bold in our faith, being courageous, being in the place that we're in right now with a lot of fear here in the West and, oh, you're this and you're that, and saying, you know what, I'm not going to get mired into that, but I'm going to say, God, how is it you can use me at such a time as this? And remembering that there are souls, our brothers and sisters around the world that are not relinquishing their faith, even in the midst, and they're going through uh, a worldwide pandemic just as we are. And yet they're not giving up their faith. And so, Karen, how important is it that we learn from them as we continue talking about uh, the Christians around the world not giving up Jesus and the joy that is happening? I mean, sometimes you think, man, I wish the church would kind of have a little more joy. Joy is happening, churches around the world, Jesus followers, even in the midst of that persecution. Yeah, and I don't want to leave you folks with the impression that this is an easy joy. It's a, that it's a, a greasy joy, right. you know. It's, it's joy that's wrought through difficulty and pain. But there's a place that folks seem to push past into finding joy in life and freedom and peace of Christ that He promises us in His Word. Um, you know, and you mentioned just a second ago COVID and the pandemic, and you know, it's, it's obviously we all know it's global, but we've sort of you know drawn as human beings do, we've kind of drawn in on ourselves and focused on our our own immediate context. But, you know, COVID has exacerbated a lot of these situations for our brothers and sisters in Christ. There was a young uh, Syrian couple who were former Muslims, and they found freedom in Christ, and they found, I mean, they went hard, as they they say, hard in the paint after joy and life and freedom and peace of Christ in Isa. And these are qualities that are attractive and precious to anyone coming from Islam. And once they committed to Christ, the fighters in their area turned their sights on the Christians in the region. And it caused this couple, this young married couple, to fear for their lives. But they remained unyielding in their faith, as um, we used to, old people used to say where I come from, the, 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 the folks were pushing them from pillar to post. You know, no matter where they went, there was trouble and difficulty. And you add to that the cost of living rise during COVID, the, uh, the, the isolation that's increased, that, uh, all of this. Uh, we're talking in some regions 3 and 4 and 500% inflation just for daily goods. It's plunged a lot of folks into, into extreme poverty. Uh, and then 
The pandemic has taken its toll also on people's mental health. Right. Uh, so you add all of that together, and the suicide rate has risen dramatically in the re- in a lot of these regions. Now, what's amazing about the kingdom perspective of folks in this situation, ICR's partners are reporting that they're seeing this with kingdom eyes. They're seeing this saying, uh, not necessarily, God, what is happening to us, but God, what are you doing in the midst of this? Wow. Where's our opportunity to bring people hope in numerous different forms to, to, to like these young married people? They're, they're, grow, they're a part of a growing movement toward Christ among their people group, a uh, people group that you've probably heard about in the news. Many of them are turning to faith in Christ. And, and, and this young couple, they're, they're representative of lots of leaders that ICR is working with who are leading the way in discipling new believers in these contexts and emboldening others to claim Christ as their king, where the risk is doubly high, a lot of times, sometimes triple high. A lot of times uh, Christians in these regions are the last to receive aid. They're the last to receive medicine. They, they're, the back, they're at the back of the line for everything. They're discriminated against in all forms. Yes. So we're supporting Christians who are spearheading these kinds of movements that have been really blown into, the, into life by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and and, and that, that, that supporting these kinds of folks is uh, really a large part of what ICR is all about. People seeing with those kingdom eyes and seeing the anxiety turn to adventure, and seeing the kingdom opportunities in their situation. Hey, Karen, it's a really different headspace. No, really, it is. The headspace there, and I'd like to know, too, uh, as you're educating all of us on this, is there, are there hotbeds around the, the world of the persecuted church? Like, uh, I think earlier I, I had mentioned, I think North Korea has been usurped by Afghanistan and the amount of you're persecution correct. that's happening. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? That is accurate. That was actually just released today in the World Watch list, uh, which ranks every year they rank the top 50 countries where it's most difficult to claim faith in Jesus. And uh, they have a lot of different metrics that they use, but it was pretty stunning that the report came out today and observed that for the first time in decades, North well, not decades, in years, uh, North Korea is now in the number two spot, and Afghanistan rose to the number one spot. And the stories that are coming out of Afghanistan of what is now a hidden church, I mean, life was hard before, but it was bearable, but now it's a hidden church. The stories that are coming out of the hidden church are stunning. Um, You see it uh, in the kinds of prayers that come out. Um, God, let me find your people before they find us. Um, if I'm going to suffer, let it be quick. Um, wow. Praying for one form of suffering over another form. And yet, these are people who uh, they chose to stay because they felt led to. Some people felt led to leave, and some people felt led to stay. And you hear these stories, and you understand why their cry is death before disobedience, because death is imminent and sometimes likely. But it serves a purpose. You know, I'm not dying without meaning. Yeah, I'm not sharing without purpose. Mm, you know. Yeah, I, I'm just, uh, I'm just truly. Um, I pray that everyone listening would would say, you know what? How, how do I, how do I pray? 
what would if mm-hmm. if one of my persecuted brothers and sisters were in front of me now what 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 should i pray obviously you can mm-hmm. go to christianresponse.org and and maybe invest in in persecuted christians but what would as you work yes. with persecuted christians globally Karen, what what would they say as to how we should pray and what we should learn from them? Yeah, you can hear from them in their own words at christianresponse.org. You can subscribe to our newsletter. You can subscribe to our e-prayer updates. They'll give you something every day, something specific every day to pray for, someone specific every day to pray for with, um, you know, as much information as we can allow you to know to keep people safe. Right. And we'll, we'll give you lots of resources to help you pray and to provide for indigenous local Christian partners who are working in and around some of these regions. But this is what I want you to do when you take those, um, those lists of prayers. I want you to close your eyes and imagine yourself grasping the hands of the person on that day. And you are praying for them as though they are right across from you and you're holding their hands. And by the Holy Spirit, the Lord will hear and he will answer. But it helps so much if you know that you are, you know, we've tossed out a lot of numbers even just in the last 25 minutes or a few minutes since we've been talking, right? We've tossed out 80%, we've tossed out 20%, we've tossed out 360 million. Really, the most important number that we can facilitate and rely on is one. That is the number because there, you said it so well, David, there is no persecuted church and there is no freer church. There is one church. We are one in his body because he determined it would be so. He prayed, let them be one as we are one. There's a reason why they call it a body. They didn't call it two bodies or three bodies. It's one body. And we are one. And you go and you read those scriptures when one part of the body hurts. If if your baby toe hurts, you know you can't walk. If your eye hurts, you know you can't see. The rest of your body is, is, is flailing about in space. So, you know, all of those scriptures speak to the singular most important number in this work, and that is one. And when they hurt, we hurt. And when we hurt, they hurt. You know they're praying for us? Mm. Do you know they were praying for us in the freer world? Yeah, it's powerful to think about. Isn't that something? And to know. praying for us in the freer world. In the midst of, of what they're going through and our brothers and sisters and, and how I just, as we, thank you so much for joining us here. I, 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 I consider, may we learn from their example, say, God, not why is this happening, but God, what are you doing mm-hmm. and how will you use me? Yes. ChristianResponse.org. Learn more about International Christian Response and how we can step up and, and care and, and love upon and pray for and join in partnership with our brothers and sisters persecuted around the globe. Karen, thank you for joining us here from International Christian mm-hmm. Response. And would you please be kind enough thank to let you, those persecuted Christians that you uh, involved with personally, let them know we in Southern California will be praying with them, for them, and that we will join with them and not relinquishing the name of Jesus. 
Thank you, David. It is my honor to represent them and thank you for uh, responding with such a wonderful, open, welcoming heart to the body of Christ. ChristianResponse.org. Karen Ellis, International Christian Response. It's Dave. It's your Wednesday SoCal Live show continues. 99.5 KKLA, San Diego's Cape Race. It's 99.5 KKLA, San Diego's Cape Race, Southern California Live. Big Wave Dave, David James, thank you for letting us journey together this afternoon. What a privilege to be able to kind of fill in today here. So many different textures of the program. If you missed any of the show today, I encourage you to go to the podcast tab at kkla.com, kprz.com. Going to go a little direction here uh, a little bit by saying I think it's really it's important that we all kind of get out, kind of start thinking, okay, what is it that we can do as a family, as friends and get together and always it's been one of those things i think one of the first things that come to mind is is going to the movies well right now at the movies an incredible motion picture it's been out about four weeks ladies and gentlemen american underdog the kurt warner story football tell me about that as long as i have a ball in my hands i feel alive kind of like how i feel right now I'm staying here. I got work to do. Work? The NFL's not going to draft some dude from the 1AA school in Iowa. There were other offers. I called every team in the NFL. No one's interested. Can I get one of your applications? I promised that I would take care of you and the kids. So that is exactly what I'm going to do. If this is your dream, don't give up on it. Yeah, they didn't pick me. I pick you. I pick you too. Kurt Warner, you got the whole package, kid. And the world just needs more time to see it. He came up with this whole arena concept. Arena football. It's like a circus. People love the circus. I like the circus. Woo! You pay me for a touchdown? I also pay you to win. Oh, this is going to be fun. Hey, Kurt. We've been trying to reach you. I'm sorry, who are you? I'm with the Rams. This guy's old. Slow as molasses. He's beneath the standards of this franchise. That's what people said about me when I came here. All those years gave you something that others didn't have. Made you ready for this moment. Third corner out of the arena league. It's one of those stories that's too good for the movies. It's perfect guy here. He was bagging groceries five years ago. You go out there and you show the world what I've known all along. You were born for this. This is my time. I know who I am and I know why I'm here. Well, it's in theaters right now, American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story. You heard Dennis Quaid in there playing Dick Vermeil and Zachary Levi playing Kurt Warner. Anna Paquin playing Brenda, uh, uh, Kurt Warner's bride. And ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Southern California, San Diego and Los Angeles counties, Kingdom Story Company, the legendary John Irwin. 
<laughs> Legendary. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me. And I'm glad you enjoyed the movie. It's fun, it's fun to... It's fun to get out and see a movie, and uh, and and uh, I love this story. I've always loved this story, and as has Andy, and we just love to make films that uplift and inspire, you know, for the entire family, that the whole family can watch together, and and uh, you know, that's I think we we need more story. Like like I love the idea of this movie being a movie that inspires the dreams of the audience. Like you go see it, and you're like, hey, my dreams are possible. You know, it's been a tough year and a half for all of us, so so we need more stories like this. And it's an honor to. It's an honor to, to, to bring it to the screen. Yeah, John Irwin, his brother Andy with Kingdom Story Company, and I can only imagine Faith of Our Fathers Courageous, Mom's Night Out, Woodlawn, I Still Believe, and now in theaters now. It's more than just uh, a football picture. It's funny, uh, John, I was uh, listening to the Rams and Cardinals game broadcast on the way home Monday night from here at SoFi Stadium, and uh, I was listening to the Cardinals side of it, and all of a sudden I heard, Kurt Warner giving the color side of the Cardinals broadcast out of Phoenix to say, "Hey, wait a minute! What are you? You're you're everywhere. You know what was that, it? Those are both his teams. Yeah. Kurt Warner wins either way yeah. in that scenario. So, know? what was it like for you um, to to be a part of this picture? And it, it, obviously, it's about football, but it's so much more than that. It's like." Dreams dashed. It's about uh, you know you never know. You just got to stay true to yourself and 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 say God. It, you know I'm going to follow you. I mean, there's so many different dynamics and 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 journeys in this film. Well, I just think you know as the Bible says, you know in due season, you, we can reap if we just don't lose heart, if we don't give up, if we don't quit. That is the Kurt Warner story and. You don't have to love – if you love football, I think you love the movie. If you remember where you were in that game, you know, uh, either the Super Bowl or Kurt's first start. Um, but really it's a story about family. It's a love story. It's, it's a story about uh, these two people that loved and believed in each other and, and held tightly to each other and, and to, their, to their dream and just would never give up. And I think it's, it's as much Brenda Warner's story as it is Kurt's, and they're just incredible love story and their incredible determination, and their incredible faith and hope and endurance and just being willing to never give up and just keep dreaming. And so I think we all have dreams that we would think, well, that's impossible. This could never happen. You know, this story challenges that and says, you know, maybe dreams really can come true, and maybe there's a way that, that, that God can call us to extraordinary things. And those things can actually happen. And, and so it's a, it's a movie that will make you laugh and cry and cheer. But I think hopefully you'll leave the theater thinking about your own dreams and the possibilities of life again. You know, and, and I just, we love to inspire the audience. You know, we, lo- we love true stories. And I remember when Andy and I did the movie, I can only imagine, uh, Bart had this term for the song, that lead, the lead singer and, and you know, writer of that song. And, and uh, that, that he coined a rush of hope. You know, and, he's, and, and we've just taken that and run with it, and the idea that we, we really just love giving audiences a rush of hope. And there's nothing, there's no better place to get that feeling, you know, than in a theater with a massive screen and, and uh, you know, with your family. And, and, and it's been so cool to, to, to be able to give that experience to the audience and, and see it on the big screen. And, and uh, so it's just a story that I believe will, will inspire, and it really is an incredible thesis of just the power of faith. I mean, the power of just believing in what God's called you to do and uh, and never giving up on it. We're talking with John Irwin, the director of American Underdog, 
Kurt Warner story, among other pictures that he and his brother Andy um, and Kingdom Story. I can only imagine Faith for Father's courageous woodlawn. I still believe. And you talked about that uh, storytelling that that you uh, love to do. It's almost like become a a real. Well, it always has been a passion, I'm sure. But boy, in 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 films nowadays. To be able to share the kind of story that you share, uh, not only inspiring and love and in many cases true. I mean, I can only imagine. I still believe. Yeah. These are all stories of, of, of what the world thought was just going to be, eh. All of a sudden, God's showing up and, and because of faithfulness, uh, directing a path that, like, well, Kurt Warner now and, and everything he does even off the field. Well, I mean, Andy and I are living that story. I mean, my goodness, if you think about anybody, you can't get further from Hollywood than uh, L.A. To me, is Lower Alabama. You know, that's where we're that's where we were born and raised. You know, in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, and and yet God's using us. Um, you know, in Hollywood, it really is just about the power of of our voice and of our audience. And we say, you know, your movie ticket is your vote. And so many people have gone to see faith based films and really shocked you know, Hollywood over and over again with their success that we're getting to make the movies bigger and better. And, 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 uh, we're able to put movie stars in them and we're able to, you know, like the last part of this movie is, you know, really epic. And, and, and I just, I, I, I give credit to the audience that they've supported the work and our voices have been heard, uh, so much. It's something that we've all done together that we're able to make these films bigger and better so that they can be seen by more and more people. And, and it's just such an amazing way to, to spread, the hope of Christianity, the hope of the gospel, and inspirational stories for our entire family. And to see something together as a family and say, you know, this is safe, I can trust this, and yet we're all being entertained and we're all being inspired and we can all talk about it afterwards. And and uh, and I think we're just beginning to see, um, you know, where we can go in that way. But we're living that same dream. I mean, nobody thought films like I Can Only Imagine would work, and yet they just shocked everyone. And that's just because of the audience and, and God really can do incredible things uh, if you'll just keep going and not give up and not quit. And that was really one of the great themes of Kurt Warner and of the movie. You know, he just never gave up. Well, you know, and, you never uh, gave up in the filmmaking of this. I, I, I want to, on the other side of the break, I want to talk about the adversity that took place. I mean, make a note, ladies and gentlemen, American underdog was filmed last year in the midst of <laughs> pandemics and lockdowns and, you guys, I mean, it, it really, some of the adversity you had to, you had to overcome and saying, okay, we're going to persevere and make this happen. And I want you to share the story of uh, how I think Kevin Downs, uh, the producer of the film, got a call from the front desk at a hotel there where you were making the movie there in where Arkansas or Oklahoma. <laughs> and he said, hey, I think Court yes. Warner's out here shoveling snow. Uh, he was. I could share that story, all right. absolutely. And yeah. Hey, uh, all, right. Story to tell. <laughs> all right. American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story in theaters right now. You will laugh. You will cry. At the end of the one of the uh, when I went to go see it, everyone stood up cheering and and just hooping and hollering. Yet all of a sudden, as John was just ta- pointing out, the gospel being presented in in these films, it's a beautiful thing. More with John Irwin, Kingdom Story Company, and American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story coming up here as your Wednesday SoCal Live show continues on ninety nine point five KKLA and San Diego's K Praise. Southern California Live. It's Dave. Welcome in. We are having a conversation with 
John Irwin, and now his brother Andy has has joined in, too. I love this American underdog, the Kurt Warner story in theaters, and so appropriate that we be talking to John and Andy about this film right now after the the game, uh, Rams and and Cardinals at SoFi on Monday night. And the film stars Zachary Levi, Anna Paquin, Dennis Quaid as Dick Vermeil, and... Also, Bruce McGill uh, from My Cousin Vinny fame, when Bruce played the, uh, the, the sheriff in My Cousin Vinny, so good. Incredible cast, incredible picture, not only if you love football, but just a love story and not giving up on if God's called you uh, in your purpose in life. And, uh, John, we were just talking about how, yeah, there was a lot of adversity, the, the film and Kingdom Story, you, the company, you guys, I can only imagine, uh, I still believe, Woodlawn, Courageous, I mean, stories about about not giving up and the power of God moving in the, in the human spirit. Um, you had to overcome a ton of adversity when it came to filming this movie uh, last year. Tell us a little bit about that. Snowstorms, uh, yeah. you know, epic cold. Yeah, all of that. I think the word that was that was that it, it, that embodied the level of difficulty. We called it the blizzemic, which is a blizzard hit Middle America, where we were in Oklahoma City, um, and in the middle of a pandemic. It was just it was everything. <laughs> but but I think you know our mantra was Kurt Warner didn't give up. That was whole, his whole story. So we're not going to give up. You know, making the film, and and I would say it's probably the most difficult film Andy and I have ever made. Thank God there's two of us. But, you know, none of the crowds, if you go see the movie, none of the crowds are real because, we, you know, we, we, we were filming in the pandemic and we could only have about 100 people. And so all of the, in fact, in the arena football scene, uh, we had to bring the crowd members the extras. And we, had, we set up this rig on green screen with nine cameras from different positions, and each fan would cheer independently, and we'd go through an array of, you know, actions, and then we would composite thousands of them in, you know, and, and uh, and that's the way we did it. But, but, uh, so I think that, you know, uh, sometimes the, the biggest challenges or the biggest opportunities, and it was very difficult to make a movie in the, at the height of the, at well, that point with the height of the pandemic, um, over the winter. And, uh, but the crew did a great job, and, you know, we just, you know, we just solved each problem. And, and I actually think that struggle, you, you feel it in the movie because it's a movie about struggle and it's a movie about endurance and it's a movie about never giving up and never quitting. And I think you feel that also sort of in the making of it as well, that it was a very difficult set of circumstances to make the movie. But that's what it's about. It's about never giving up in, in, even when life is difficult. And so I think I actually think making it in that in that environment made it better. Uh, if that makes sense. No, it because totally it, it does. Sort of a match to the story we were telling. Right. No, John and Andy Irwin join us um, from Kingdom Story Company, American uh, underdog, um, the Kurt Warner story in theaters right now. And, I, you know, Andy, I want to ask you, you know, as far as the cinematography, John just mentioned it, your brother, where you, you had to use some creative stuff in order to get all the crowd scenes, the the, the the football, you know, all the people in the arena league, the rodeo going on and all that. But I want to concentrate on a specific uh, scene that you shot that was very moving. And that is at the very beginning, there is a, a story of a Brenda and her one of her sons from a, a previous marriage. She had gone through a divorce and Kurt had begun uh, dating Brenda, who was a, a, a waitress, a server at a local restaurant there in, in Iowa. But he goes to visit Brenda at her home. And her, one of her sons 
has uh, a major disability. He he is uh, vision impaired. He's blind. He can't see. But he gets into the home. He gets in there, and through a sequence of events, he actually ends up on the floor with this little boy. Um, and it's a beautiful scene about Kurt and his humility and all the kinds of humility that we should all attain to aspire. Would you talk about that specific scene and what it was to, to yeah. film that? Yeah, David, I, I think um, the heart of the movie is that little boy's act. Uh, it, you know, when we talked to Kurt and Brenda, we asked, like, what do you see your story as? And he says, well, obviously, all the things on the football field. But really, it's about the love story between me and Brenda and about her son, Zach, uh, who, like you said, he, uh, he is vision impaired. He's blind, uh, has some cognitive issues with that. And, uh, and he said it's about what I saw in this kid. And he fought every day for his, his dreams, and I had to fight for this family. And so that scene that you're talking about when Kurt first meets him really happened in real life. It's pretty much scripted out exactly what Kurt said in his initial interview. But he came in, and this little, this little boy comes up, grabs his hand, says, come in, accepts him right into the family. And they kept a radio in every room of the house because Zach loves country music. And he would go in and listen to it. And they took this radio that ended up in the bathroom, and, and he turns on the radio and says, lay down. And they lay down and start, he starts singing the songs, uh, sitting by, by Kurt. And Kurt just watched this kid so full of love, so full of life. And he's like, you know, he said, I fell in love with the kids even before I fell in love with Brenda. And so it's that story, that kind of father-son kind of story that drives, uh, the, you know, the whole movie. And that's where Kurt found the heart of a champion. And uh, Hayden Zoller is the little actor that plays Zach in the movie. He's blind in real life. We wanted to be authentic with the casting. He absolutely steals the show. He really and does. I'm so proud of, of him and the cast. It's his very first movie, and he's adorable. Everything about it, uh, cinematography, the story, uh, the football scenes, uh, the, the scenes of, of relationship, uh, powering through adversity, what you guys had to go through in filming it and the adversity there. I encourage everyone, American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story in theaters right now. Take your whole family. I mean, my bride, Clara, was like, I don't want to go see a football movie. And then we're both, she's both, <laughs> we're both crying. You know, she's just <laughs> crying. Great. Like, awesome. oh, man, you know, I just can't believe it. Can we see it again? You know, it's just so, awesome. so good. Um, real quick, I got you on the phone. I got the two brothers here, Kingdom Story Company, John and Andy. They don't know I'm going to ask them this. But I'm wondering, can I quiz you on some movie clips of football movies gone by and see yeah, which one yeah. wins this battle? Okay, okay. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. I, I mean, you know, we were both cameramen <laughs> for ESPN for many years. Uh, going back to as teenagers, that was our first job. I think Andy, as in most things in life, took the job way more seriously. I'm a bit more of a delinquent. And, uh, so I, so I would and, and maintain his, his fanship. Uh, so I expect to lose this game, <laughs> but let's try. All right. Well, okay. Who should I start with, John? Should I start with you, Andy? Come on. Who wants it? Start, start with me. I just want. I, I want to go, go with John. All right, John. Here yeah. you go. You ready? This is uh, yeah. this is movie one. Someday, when the team's up against it, breaks are beating the boys. Ask him to go in there with all they've got. Win just one for the Kipper. Oh, God, win just one for the Gipper. One more time. Here you go. 
Someday your team's up against it. Brakes are beating the boys. Ask them to go in there with all they've got. Win just one for the Kipper. Come on, John. Isn't that an old? Isn't that an old Reagan movie? Yeah, it is. Like, it is. I mean, wasn't that the basis of his like you know like, uh, political campaign? Yeah, with his Gipper. And by the way, I'm on a computer and I almost googled it. <laughs> I was about ready to say, I'm going to play this game. You got to be honest, an old man. Reagan movie, right? I mean, that's 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 Ronald Reagan. Isn't that a like an old old Reagan movie that then became a campaign slogan? It is. It is. Uh, so, eh, okay, John. Sorry, but yes, you kind of have the spirit of the film. Let me ask you, Andy. What do you think? What, what's the name of it? Do you know? Oh, oh man! I uh, all right. We'll move on. Newt Rockney, All American. Newt Rockney, All American. All right. Yeah, okay. Got it. All right. So okay. He- I think super old Reagan movie is an adequate <laughs> answer. All right. Yeah, you you start. You start way back. All right. So hang on, we'll we'll come a lot closer. Okay, Andy. This is yours. Here you go. You look like a bunch of fifth grade sissies after a cat fight. You got anger. That's good. You're gonna need it, son. You got aggression, that's even better. You're going to need that, too. But any little two-year-old child can go a bit. Okay. And that, that Remember the Titans? Remember the Titans! Yes! <laughs> Woo! Andy, you, you're up You're up one nothing. All right, hey, hey, uh, hey, John. I got Ronald Reagan. Yeah, yeah, okay, John. Nobody knows the name John, of that movie. John, I'm throwing you a softball. You hear me? Yeah. Okay. You're going to win this game. You want to know how I know that you're going to win this game? Because it's not about you. <laughs> okay. I can't get a point for my own movie. <laughs> That's, I can't. All right, I'll give you one more as we go. Here we go. Wait, 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 wait. That was Rudy. That was Rudy, right? That was definitely Rudy. <laughs> no, no man. Woodlawn. It's Woodlawn. Amazing. I know. I know it's Woodlawn. All right, that's so funny. I know it's Woodlawn. Okay, one more here, here yeah. for you guys. Here you go. I am not an entertainer. Fuck! He's an ABCs of me, baby. I do not dance, and it's I do a, not start preseason without a contract. Fuck! Fuck! What is it? Come on, I know that. Right? Come on, it's the greatest movie. Jay McGuire. Yeah, Jay McGuire. Yes. Please help you. All right, guys. Help me help you. John and Andy Irwin. I think it's tied because I got my own one, and I said Ronald Reagan. So in my book. <laughs> Look at that. We have brothers fighting. How appropriate. John and Andy Irwin, American Underdog, in theaters right now. The Kurt Warner story. It's Dave along with John and Andy. We love you. K-Praise, K-Kelly family. SoCal Live, out.